0: welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parashah Vaera, in which there is a confrontation between God and Pharaoh. As we know last parasha, the parasha of Shemot, Moshe encounters the burning bush where God speaks to him through the bush and he tells him that he wants him to be the leader that's going to redeem the Jewish people from slavery to take them out of Egypt into the promised land of of Israel. And here we see that when Moshe goes back to Pharaoh to confront him and to tell him, let my people go, who's telling you to let my people go? And he says, my God is telling me to, to tell you to let my people go. In reality, it's a confrontation between Hashem and Pharaoh. And in this respect, it can be said that the central character of, uh, of this parasha, of this and the next parasha, is not Moshe. We think he's the central character, but in reality, it is Pharaoh. And Moses fulfills his role as God emissary, he's the Shlia of God, he's, he's a chariot, he's not going against God, he's going with God to do what God wants him to do. And in contrast, Pharaoh eh, is a character that is very complex, that is completely going against God and what God wants. So one of the basic questions about Pharaoh's character is why after suffering blow after blow with the 10 plagues in this uh, in this parasha we read about the first 7 plagues and then in the next parasha we're going to read the last 3 plagues, plagues but why after one after the other after the other he doesn't let the people go and not only that It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What does that mean? He hardened his heart. Still, this raises the question of what is the underlying situation in all these stories. So the Koshnes Rebbe used to say that he respects Pharaoh, that he respects him because this is a man who was struck by all these plagues in Egypt and nevertheless he was stubbornly upheld to his principles and this characterization not only explains the question of Pharaoh's surprising behavior but sheds light generally on many of other antagonists in the Torah as well and we see here also that we might relate more to Pharaoh really if we look really at the scripture of what his character was we regular human beings relate much more to Pharaoh than we would relate to Moshe or Aaron eh, because they were people who had lofty characters eh, and and they were in contact contact with Hashem, direct contact with Hashem and they never even questioned God and they never even went against Him. So Pharaoh is more or less more of an ordinary human being to the extreme of what a stubborn person can be. But nevertheless, we as human beings have more tendencies that are more similar to the tendencies of Pharaoh, even. Though his tendencies are exploded to over proportion, eh, but we as human beings are more similar to Pharaoh than we would be to Moshe or Aaron HaKohen. So, so the, the parasha really in a sense is to explore the character of Pharaoh and to understand the entirety of what motivates people to do what they do. Why do they end up doing what they do? And why sometimes people are so stubborn in their ways that they never change? They, they're stuck in a certain personality mode or a certain way of thinking that is not a good way to think, a good way to believe, a good way to live, and you see their lives are terrible, and one worst decision after the worst decision, and all these things happen to them. But what is the underlying motivator that makes people be the way they are? So here we say that after the first plagues, Pharaoh already appears to be shaken and he humbles himself when facing Moshe Rabbeinu. Like he already, he's not like so... Uh, upright in front of Moshe he realizes realizes that Moshe has a certain power and he becomes more humble when talking to him. But the alarm that seizes him after is after the plague of hail. Hail is much more significant because Egypt is a place where it never rains ever. The 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 it's fertile because of the irrigation of the Nile River that irrigates the land and that's how they have uh, such fertile lands but it's not because it rains so if it never rains imagine they had never seen in their whole lives hail and thunder ever so for Pharaoh to see this wonder of, of God this plague It was something that really shook him to his core. And at that moment he said to Moshe and Aaron, I have seen this time, God is righteous and I and my people are wicked. And this is something that is like way out of his his character to say this. So we see here that... His response on this occasion is essentially different from his previous responses from the other place. And what does it mean, I have seen this time, God is righteous and then, and I and my people are wicked. What is he talking about? So we see here that, people, that uh, when Moshe comes to him and he says, let my people go, and he says this time, I have seen this time, what, what is the sin that he's referring to? What is he talking about? So Pharaoh does not grow up as an ordinary person, but as a king of Egypt, uh, pampered since the day he was born. Nobody ever went against him. Uh, And he thought that he was no less than a god. He thought he really believed he was a deity. He thought he was a god. And this assumption is not a matter of abstract theology. It is bound up with the fundamental premise of of his life and with the basic way he views the world. And when a person grows up under the impression that he is a god, this also colors his understanding of, of the nature of justice. So a person that grows up thinking that he's always right, that everybody's wrong, that he is the, the last Coca-Cola in the desert, that everybody has to do what he says and nobody ever challenges him and nobody ever goes against him, it's a person that has a very different sense of justice than a person that has been said in their lifetime, no, you cannot do this. It's a person that has a complete different look, outlook to life. So it says here, Rabbi Steinfeld says that in the course of the 10 plagues, Pharaoh goes through a process of changing his fundamental conception of his own life. Like this plagues that God sent the Egyptians was really to rectify their character. Each plague is connected to one of their character flaws in their emotional attributes. The seven first plagues are connected, each one, to the seven emotional attributes of a person, of... Kindness, Gebura is justice. Eh, tiferet is compassion, and we see if you look at my at the class I gave on this parasha of the year five thousand seven hundred seventy-seven two years ago, I go over them and how each one of these attributes was eh, in the wrong in the wrong side in their character traits and how each one of these plagues really came to correct their their emotional attributes, their emotional character traits. So his confrontation with Moses leads him to discover for the first time in his whole life that he's not infallible. Suddenly, it's like a slap in the face and suddenly it's like someone is telling him, you know, Pharaoh, you suck. You're not what you think you are. You're not a god you're not God there's a God there is the only God you're just the Pharaoh of Egypt you're nothing more than that and that for him was a great shock he couldn't believe it he was shocked it shattered the foundation of his whole life and his whole belief system and when Pharaoh reaches this conclusion it is not merely theoretical knowledge he's now forced to adopt a new attitude to his whole life and he must now re-examine and reassess all of his past uh, actions. So we see here that everything that he wanted was automatically defined as just and good, with no qualms whatsoever. Only when Pharaoh's basic premise that I am always right is shattered does he gain the ability to evaluate and assess things as they are. And this is why he was able on the seventh plague to say I have sinned this time. This time. Why didn't he say the last six plagues? He never said, I have sinned this time. At this moment, when Hashem has hardened his heart on the fifth plague, he made his heart hard. He made him like so hard for him to do teshuva because he was so, he hardened him. But on the seventh plague, it was such a shocker that he was able to be more humble and say, I have sinned this time. Uh, And not only that, say, I and my people are wicked. And why does it say, I and my people? Because now Pharaoh's thoughts go back many years. He's not only thinking about the current situation, he's thinking about the 210 years that have been going for the last uh, two, two centuries of the Jewish people being enslaved in Egypt and how that has affected everything in his life how it has affected him as a, as a human being so he sees how uh, he made them collect the straw to build the, the 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 bricks also when he sent to drown the firstborns and when he enslaved the jewish people and how he mistreated them so he now he's not only looking at the problem that is in front of him he's looking at all these years of all these hardships that he has created to these people. So the basic feeling of I am always right, which kept Pharaoh from any kind of soul searching, uh, suddenly uh, disappears. And now he realizes, oh, you know what? I was not always right. I wasn't always uh, doing the right thing. I, I realized I-, I-, I did something that was not right. And what Rabbi Steinsfeld is trying to teach us here is something very important that when people feel that they have nothing to, to change in themselves, when people feel they're perfect, you know, I, there, you, there's so many people that say, you know what, if you don't like me as I am, then don't be my friend or don't be with me. I am, I am good as I am. Either you love me or you, or you leave me. This mentality is a pharaoh mentality because when we believe that we're always right, then there's no growth opportunity for us. There's no way we can move forward. There's no way we can be humble and look at our life and say, you know what? I have erred in this situation. I need to correct this thing in my life. It's not right. It's not right that I, that I snap at people. It's not right that I get angry very easily. It's not a, a right that I'm always offended. All these things are, are things that people have to look inside of themselves to be able to say, you know what, I see I have this problem. I, I really need to work on it. So Pharaoh's remorse, both in the scope and its attempt to get at the root of the sin, should really teach us a lesson. Remorse is never a simple matter Uh, uh, even when a person person expresses regret and wants to repent there are liable to be basic problems with the remorse and with the implementation of the desired repentance. And on a basic problem with remorse is a question of its sincerity because sometimes people are remorseful about something but are they really sincere about it? it? Does it really bother them? And there is a well-known saying that says that the wicked are full of regrets. You see a person that's always uh, hurting someone else, we see it very much when you see a person that is abusing someone uh, verbally, that it's a a bully or someone like that, they're always, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but do they really mean it? Because next thing you know, they're again doing the same thing, they never change. So he says here that Mark Twain has a very humorous quote uh, that says, to see smoking is the, is the easiest thing I ever did. I ought to know because I've done it a thousand times. Similarly, the wicked are full of regrets. They, they try, they have remorse, they did something they, they know it's not right, they feel bad about it, they try to change it. And a week later, they're back to their same old ways. Nothing has changed. When nothing changes, nothing changes. And uh, it turns out that his life is full of regrets. It's a person that's always regretful. And the Talmud states that if a person commits a sin and repeats it, it becomes to him as though it it were permissible. The more you do something that is not right, the more you're uh, you're gonna make believe it's right. Because you have to find an excuse for it. You have to say, oh, you know what? It's that that person is always bugging me, so that's why I snap at him, and because it's that person, he always presses the wrong button on me, and because he presses the wrong button on me, this is why I react this way. Yeah, we can always justify everything, you know? But the, what it says here is regarding repentance as well. There can be an equally dangerous predicament where someone is caught in a cycle of remorse and teshuva followed by return to the sin. Followed by remorse once again. And when a person does the teshuva the first time, it makes an impression. Like when a person has remorse the first time. You know, the guy is always screaming at the wife. And he one day he says, you know what, honey, I know I'm wrong. I'm not ever going to do it again. I know it's not right. And for three days he contains, he contains. And the fourth day he blows up again. But this time, 20 times worse than ever ever he has done it then, you know, eh, his teshuva becomes a meaningless procedure because it's gonna be one, two, three, four, his whole life is gonna be like that. And another problem with remorse is that sometimes a person is truly penitent and does teshuva from the bottom of his heart, but the teshuva is misplaced and he focuses on the wrong part of the transgression. So this is what happens. And, and, and he explains it with a Hasidic story about a woman who came to the Rebbe to seek repentance because she, was, she had eaten on the fast of the 10th of Tebet, Azarat Betebet, forgetting that it was a fast day and she came to him and she was really remorseful and he says, I feel so bad, I forgot I forgot, it was a fast day and, uh, and, 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 I, and I ate I forgot and the Rebbe began to tell her the story of a Jewish man that took over a priest the priest had to go to another town and he asked his Jewish friend to please stand for him, make believe he's the priest and a farmer came to, tell, to, to repent to, to, to confide in him and he came to tell the story to the Jew, thinking it was a priest, that, that a farmer came to, uh, that, uh, that he had stolen a piece of rope. And the Jew asked him under what circumstances he had stolen the rope. And the farmer answered that the rope was tied to a cow. And since he stole the cow, the rope was stolen to wed- together with the cow. When the Jew then asked him what else happened, the farmer continued recounting that the owner of the cow noticed the theft and tried to resist. And when the Jew then asked how the farmer responded, he answered, I killed him. And when the Jew heard this, he could no longer contain himself and cried, you killed him. The Rebbe too shouted to the woman, the woman that came to him, you killed someone. And so the woman fainted in shock. She couldn't believe the Rebbe had said this. And it turned out that she had given birth to a baby, to a child outside of wedlock. She hadn't been married. And she strangled that baby and covered up the incident. And this woman came to the Rebbe to seek repentance because she, she, she had mistakenly eaten on Azarat bet Tevet on the fast of, of, of the 10th of Tibet and ended up revealing her guilt in a far more egregious uh, matter. So this anecdote in a, is an extreme example obviously, but this is a problem that people encounter. Sometimes they're trying to correct something they're, they're remorseful about, something that is not right in them, but in reality, they don't get to the heart of the problem. You have to go to the root of the problem that causes whatever is going in your life. So for example, the bully, if you look, he was bullied. So the root of the problem is that he was bullied. So he's full of anger. So the way that he can he can get over it is by bullying somebody else and feeling that he's strong. But if he comes to realize, and he goes to the root of the problem, and he works on his feelings of anger towards what he felt when he was a child, and that he was mistreated, and he can work on that in so many ways, then, the, the whole thing disappears. He doesn't need to mistreat anybody else because he's already fixing whatever the the, 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 the anger comes from. So uh, he will think that it's sufficient to rectify only a specific point while the essential problems still exist. In such a case, the benefit of repentance would be merely temporarily and locally. It's like putting a Band-Aid on and it's never gonna be corrector corrected so he gives an explanation rabbi steinswald is like when a person god forbid has cancer and they have to go through surgery and the doctor removes the growth of that cancer and he removes it successfully perfect but if there was a metastasis if there was a spark of that cell that went somewhere else then in reality the the, the treatment was not successful, the operation was not successful so the same way when we have certain things that really impede us into being the best person we can be we have to really get to the root of the problem if we don't get to that issue and we don't work on it then it doesn't matter how many times you do teshuvah, you will never be able to, to really sincerely repent and, and get over that. So it says here, it can be great accomplishment for a person to admit I have sinned this time but there is a higher level when a person soul searching moves him to such a degree that he declares God is righteous and I and my people are wicked so what this means is that his remorse reaches back 300 years before whatever is going on in your life you go backward and you look where this is coming from and maybe it's coming from a grandfather somebody in the family that's coming from such a long place and it's been following generation after generation eh, that once you get to that root of that issue and you cut it off and you really go back to the way you should be, then that's when the full teshuva has been accomplished. So the thoroughness of pharaoh remorse can be found also in the Torah's description of the process of confession and atonement in Leviticus. One of the central verses reads, they will then confess their sins and the sins of their fa- fathers. So at first glance, it is difficult to understand why it says the sins of, of, of the fathers. Why is it relevant? So what we see here is uh, that we have to really look into, it's so deep into our value system, where we grew up, what ideas were in our head, what was the customs of the place, what, what, how, how people thought. You know, I always tell this story. Where I come from in Colombia, people like to talk about people. And we never saw it as something wrong. We didn't know. Nobody ever taught us that it was not right to say to talk about anybody. This is what we did. And one day, God forbid, there were a few tragedies in the in the community. Young people died tragically, in many people. And a rabbi came from the United States to give a shi'ur and he started talking about La Shonara. And we had never in our lives heard this word ever. We didn't even know what it meant. And he started explaining how we have to really be very careful with our words and what we talk about. And then one lady raised her hand and he says, Rabbi, but if we can't talk about people, what are we going to talk about? This is how we were. So really, when you start learning Torah, when you start seeing what's right, what's wrong, and you realize, you know what, There's you can't talk about people. It's the worst thing ever. It brings so much calamities, so bad. It's You're opening judgment in the world and in yourself. When you come to understand it and you learn about it, then you're more careful of how you express yourself and how you talk about others. And then you're shattering this... This, uh, this thing that has been following you for generations and generations that was normal and suddenly you realize, you know what, this is not normal, this is not right, I have to just cut it off and I have to learn how to speak. And you change it. And that's how real, real teshuva is done, with sincerity. So the, the, the Rabbi Steinswald, what he's telling us is that Pharaoh, on the seventh plague, he came to understand this situation. He came to understand that he had so many things that he had to shatter, that his whole life was flawed. But he had never seen it before. He thought he was God. And uh, in the story of the ten plagues, Pharaoh goes through a life-changing ordeal. And he suddenly experienced thunder and lightning, the likes of which he has never experienced in his life. And strange things are falling from the heavens, and he says with terror. And he begins to think for the first time in his whole life that perhaps he is not a god. So this is the teaching, one of the teachings of this parasha. I leave you here. I wish you a blessed week. And remember, live a little higher. Thank you.